Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie. My name is Patrick Bromley, and I'm very excited to be joined for this special Thanksgiving episode of F This Movie by my best friend, Doug. Yay! I'm happy to be here, too, and I'm thankful for the friendship that has provided me with this awesome opportunity to talk to you about movies. I just sprang the idea that this is a Thanksgiving episode uh, on you, so I apologize. But it is going to run. No, it's pages and pages of notes that I've had to toss out, because now you've totally flipped the script, and all of a sudden we're talking about Thanksgiving, apparently? It's going to run the week of Thanksgiving. We're not actually going to be talking about Thanksgiving, but uh, it's What are we going to talk about? I don't know. Listen, this is just one of those episodes that's like, we're just going to see what happens, you know? Freeform. Yeah. Interpret. We're going to talk yeah. about Black Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to box us in. I don't want to label this. Okay, let's not label this. No, we're not labeling anything. If you are new to our show, uh, welcome. And this is an interesting show to join us on. You can find our website at fthismovie.net. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at fthismovie. You can like our page on Facebook, or you can email us at fthismoviepodcast at gmail.com. Listen to us on Stitcher, or find us in the iTunes store by searching F This Movie. Follow us there. Subscribe to us, I believe is the word I'm looking for. Uh, <laughs> if you're a fan of the show and uh, you want to leave us a review, that would be great. We always welcome positive reviews. It helps raise the visibility of our show and maybe turn us on to some new listeners. The last time I solicited uh, reviews, I think we were at about 99, and I said, hey, we're at 99 reviews. Somebody leave us number 100. And it, uh, the 100th review is somebody who was very upset about our opinions on Interstellar. Scathing. Which uh, will teach me to ever say a negative word about a Christopher Nolan movie. So, in order to <laughs> offset uh, that terrible feedback, if you do like the show and you want to take a few seconds to leave us a review in iTunes, of course, we very much appreciate it. Did, you, did I ever tell you a story about that guy that left that review about Interstellar? I can't remember if you did. What's the story I'm on that I'm pretty guy? sure I told you. I, maybe it was I was telling JB or Adam. Okay. I told somebody the story. I, are you sure it wasn't you? You know, you know what? For the sake of the podcast, why don't you just tell me that story again? You know what? Here, here's the story. Fuck that. <laughs> Take that, anonymous person. <laughs> oh, holy shit. I'm... I'm an asshole. I apologize. Really, if you left the review, obviously, it's your opinion. We value different opinions and different um, schools of thought. And honestly, I, I, I take that back. That sounded pretty harsh. I apologize. Sure, sure. Well, he was not super nice to us, so it's okay. It's a joke, is yeah. my point. It's get yeah, yeah. over it. The thing is, he's well, just, you guys, it's a goof. Doug, we're just goofing around. This isn't Doug. Doug, he's playing a character. That's what you guys got to understand. It's all just a goof. It's a goof. <laughs> it's all just a goof. It's just silly. Is that the scene from The Ten with Ken yeah. Marino talking yeah, yeah. about it's a goof. Yeah. Oh, the ten. David <laughs> Wayne's the ten. I forgot that that movie existed and that we yeah that oh, we no. kind of came out. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about random stuff. We have some questions submitted by you, the listeners, Ooh. that we were actually going to answer the last time we were going to do this show, and then I'm sitting down, I'm getting ready to record, and what happens, Doug? You're not wearing pants. No, I'm you wearing need to find pants. pants. I get a message You're from not- Doug who's all like, <laughs> he's like that oh. story that Chunk tells in the Goonies where he's like, <laughs> I- <laughs> yeah. No, that, that was pretty much me. No, I, I feel really badly. I had some uh, 24-hour stomach bug, and I really thought, like, for real, like, Yeah, Doug was suffering from exhaustion, everyone. 
<laughs> at four o'clock. I was on some leave. I was, uh, you know, I was in rehab, basically. <laughs> Let's just say I'm L.A. Doug. I'm in rehab. Uh, I'm at Promises right now, actually, recording this, this podcast. I really thought I was going to be like, oh, I'll just like, you know, barf and record the podcast. And that did not uh, work That's out what for I me. Do. I laid in bed. Uh, what, what do they call it in drinking parlance? It's uh, you got a uh, boot and uh, uh, what do you call it? What? There, there's an expression when you like frat guys when they drink, like boot. It, like you got to. I can't even. This is a. I'm not a frat guy, obviously. Maybe Adam Risky, who was actually in a frat, could elaborate on this. It's like you throw up and then you party. Is like the the whole thing. Like you uh, got a boot and it has scoot, the word boot. Yeah, I believe sure it's boot, scoot, scoot and boogie. Scoot, boot scoot boogie. I believe is what the frat guys call that. <laughs> Here we go, do do Come yeah. on, baby, let's go. Yeah. It's like, I got a full night of date raping in front of me. I got a boot scoot boogie. <laughs> These roofies aren't going to roofie their roofie. <laughs> um, anyway, so we're going to talk about some random stuff coming up. I'm glad to hear you're feeling better, I guess. Oh, I, feel great. I didn't mean to seem insensitive there. I'm, I'm glad that you're doing okay and that you're back with us. Now you're back in California. Last time you were on the podcast, you were here, right? We talked I, I about was, Monster yeah. Squad, I think. It was Scary Movie Month. We talked about Monster Squad. I'm pretty sure it was everyone's favorite uh, podcast of the month. So yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, I enjoyed myself. Before we talk about all the random crap we're going to talk about, Douglas. I'm also enjoying myself right now. And the video is off, so you can't see me enjoying myself. <laughs> Have you seen anything good lately? I've seen a bunch of stuff lately. Um, last night I saw Birdman. You've seen Birdman, correct? I have. That's Yeah. It's based on the Soundgarden pro- song, right? You, uh, bird man. That's the one. That's the one. If people are are wondering, uh, if people are, are longing for for more singing on the podcast, I'm 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 happy to deliver. <laughs> <at that point. laughs> See, I thought it was pronounced Birdman. Birdman. And it's just, uh, Lester Birdman here. <laughs> <laughs> what did you oh, think Bird. of Birdman? I liked it a lot. I thought Birdman was really oh, really good. You would. Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought that um, it, it had a little uh, cinematic masturbation, and that's yeah. like uh, jokes aside about my early, but earlier comment about just pleasuring regular myself. masturbation. Yeah, regular masturbation, which yeah. is what I'm a fan of. This had cinematic masturbation, which I'm not as big a fan of. I felt like it got a little, had a few false endings and a few yeah. masturbatory sort of like, oh, this is going on longer than it should. But overall, I was I was really uh, entertained by it. Good. Did you have you talked about this before? Have you have you mentioned this movie before? I think I talked about it briefly on last week's podcast, okay. um, and I think it's symptomatic of the year that I'm having. I don't know if I have changed. And this is going to come up in just a minute when I talk about what I've seen. I don't know if it's that I've changed as a viewer, um, that my tastes have kind of shifted. Or if it just is this crop of movies that I'm having a specific reaction to. But Birdman, I feel like, is a movie that 10 years ago like would have blown my mind. I, I would have just <laughs> been like, oh, it's all one take. Can you believe it? Um, and now... Yeah, but beyond the, 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 the trickery, it's still like, I think it's still an interesting movie that says some interesting things. I'm very glad that it exists. I'm glad to have seen it. I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just not a movie that... I loved and I had some some problems with it, you know. But it's uh, funny you say that though too, because I remember back in the early two thousands when DVDs were so new and so cheap, if you remember, like I think the first like fifty DVDs I bought were all like a deal somehow. I you know, like you 
proof of purchase and with this and that and some coupon at Best Buy, you can get like really cheap DVDs. Um, I remember, and you obviously have way more than I do, but just buying everything, especially because at, at that point, like post-college or even in college, and then shortly thereafter, when you actually have a disposable income, even though it's very, very modest, you're able to go out and buy five movies a week, at least, of, of DVDs. And it was all like, oh yeah, Bing, John Malkovich, and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I'm going to buy everything quasi-indie to build my library right. that was new at that time. And this does feel a little bit like that kind of movie. However, I did still, I'm not, uh, I don't subscribe to, or I don't have the same opinions necessarily that you do. I really did enjoy it. Um, knowing that it's, again, a little a little too long and a few false endings and a little like whatever. I did like some of the philosophical things it had to say. Um, I do, th- there's a couple great scenes where he first meets Ed Norton in the theater and they have this wonderful exchange, I feel like, the, as actors and, and performers, as p- performing as actors, performing as actors. And I like the scene where he discusses, uh, he talks to the critic in the bar. Without uh, This gives nothing away, obviously. But there's a, when Michael Keaton talks to the critic? Yeah, I like the scene where Michael oh, Keaton Oh, I thought talks that was the like critic. the worst scene in the movie. <laughs> no, no, I really, really like that scene. I thought it was really, I, I, I don't know, I thought it was like just such just watching them go back and forth and not, and having strong opinions about what they're talking about. And again, not wanting to give too much away. I thought that was a really, but the really movie shoots scene. itself in the foot by refusing to make the critic a person. Like it's just, it's just, I don't know if I agree with that. It's just, I mean, yeah, they, they make in your like complaining them. about his bad reviews and taking it personally. I feel like chef from earlier this year had a much more, kind of honest dialogue about criticism and when Favreau like finally breaks down and is like this shit hurts I thought that yeah. was very honest and and interesting and I thought this movie just seemed like um somebody with an axe to grind in that in that scene but I, I can I can see where you're coming from but I do think that it's not and and again she's definitely painted as the villain in the movie but I feel like if it were more what you're talking about she would have um how do I put this without giving too much away? He, he obviously is complaining about critics and who are you and how dare you, blah, blah, blah. This is my life. I'm putting myself out there. I'm sacrificing everything to do this. And she would have like, if, 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 if he won in quotes, that argument, like she would have like kind of backed down and she didn't, I feel like she was kind of like, whatever. Like she just kind of rolled her eyes at his big um, emotive speech that was supposed to change her opinion. And it didn't, you know, and without, again, without giving too much away, there's, some of it was changed, but that's not even so much because of his speech, but because of what actually happened in the play, yeah. like her actual response to the play. So I don't see it quite as much as that. But I do agree that Chef had a, a more visceral sort of um, honest reaction to criticism uh, with John Favreau's speech to the uh, the critic. Yeah. But again, I think both of those movies actually kind of uh, also present a perspective from the critic saying, like, I – Put out good food, and I'll, I'll review. I'll I'll say it's good food. You know, put out a good play. And obviously, with this, she's saying no matter what, it's gonna. I'm gonna shit on it. And, this, and, you know? that, and that's my problem is that you know it, it presents her as having her mind made up no matter what happens. And I, right. I, that's a little disingenuous because that's him just saying like, yeah, people are gonna give me a bad. You critic proofy movie because if somebody doesn't like you, it's because they had decided not to like you. And it's like it's not my fucking fault. You made babble. You know. Number <laughs> um, twenty one grams, which I remember sleeping through. And that's another example. I think like when I saw 20 on grands, I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure this is good. Like they're giving good, interesting <laughs> performances. Not only have I never wanted to watch 21 grands again, but, uh, it has done nothing but diminish in my estimation since then. And I 
I I write it off now as being foolish and young. I remember a couple scenes, uh, uh. two scenes in particular from 21 Grams that uh, are, uh, st- stuck with me. And uh, I think about, and they pop up in my head sometimes, and I think about them often. <laughs> Let me say this about uh, Birdman 2 yep. real fast. I did like, aside from one thing, and I won't give this away, one thing was telegraphed very early on and very obviously. Um, a... A, a prop and plot device that you yes. know is going to come back up in yes. the end. And that was telegraph. But aside from that one thing, I didn't quite know where the movie was going to go. Okay. Um, and I think that was good to like watch it unfold and watch these. And other performances across the board were interesting. And I know you were saying before, too, about you kind of made a, a, a passive-aggressive comment about the uh, unbroken, like it's all one shot. But that really is awesomely no, it's impressive. Very technically, it technically yeah. is very well made. It's cool, you know? Right. And it's not as distracting as I was afraid it was going to be. I would also argue that it's not quite as uh, immersive as I think it's supposed to be. But whatever. I mean, it's... It's cool. It's well done. Um, a lot of good performances, some really good scenes. I think I had remarked when I talked about it last week that I thought Edward Norton really gave the best performance in the movie. And Could have been you. Could and, have been you. And portrays you know, a, a very specific kind of douchey actor uh, right. that I think is also somewhat modeled on himself, or at least him playing with sort of the public's perception of him, yeah. of his reputation. Uh, but, but then, you know, gives it a little bit more nuance and sometimes I I wish there was more of that in the movie. Obviously we can't talk about the ending, which I agree. There were like clack, clack, clacking the keyboard right now. I can tell. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, my leg (laughs) is, is bouncing and the cord for my headphone is, is bouncing up. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm jittery. This movie gives me (laughs) nervous energy. You've Um, also had like 10 cups of Joe. Well, listen, that's how I podcast. Yo, gotta have Joe. So Uh, I I also saw starry eyes, which you, yes, um, yes. On the website. Yeah. And, um, and I saw also the guest, which you also reviewed. Yes. Yes. Let me, let me just uh, put, I know you've talked about this and you've obviously, no one saw the guest by the way. And it's not anyone's fault. It's for whatever reason, they just, did not release this movie and I cannot figure out why I understand like Dan Stevens, not a huge star, but this is the kind of movie that could have made him a huge star. Yeah. Well, they are, they are putting it out on, um, on like VOD. So it'll be on iTunes, I think early December. So people will finally be able to see what is a really cool movie, but go ahead. You've, you've obviously written thousands of words on both thousands, the guest and starry eyes. You've their reviews are on the website. I encourage everyone to read them because they're very, very interesting. And I, I, I like to do what I always do. And again, this sounds kind of silly because we're friends and I, I'm on the website also, but I like to read the review when they're posted, not having seen it. And I like to read them then after I watch, um, watch the movie itself. So I watched the guest and the guest kind of blew me away. It's so good. And if you're a fan of your next, it's great. It's different, obviously very different, but it's, I mean, obviously if you like Adam Wingard style and Simon Barrett, is that his name? That is correct. Uh, it's, they're just, it's well-written, it's well-shot, it's different, it's unique, it's, it's gripping, it's funny, it's interesting, it's, it's all the, everything you want, I, I feel like. Um, it's, and I, I think you kind of qualified it as horror, even though it's not, and you even said this, it's not straight horror, obviously, there's horror, horrific elements to it, but it's not a horror movie necessarily. Um, and then I saw Starry Eyes, which your take was a lot more mixed in your review, and I don't want to speak for you, but I will, let me just speak for you right now. Please do. Uh, I'm I don't want to speak out for you for except to say this. <laughs> uh, it's, it's stuck with you, um, even though your first gut reaction to it is kind of like, oh, this is derivative. And uh, some of the things are so telegraphed, so much of the visual stuck with you. Starry Eyes didn't quite work as well as The Guest, but of course, that's a really high bar. The Guest was so good and so enjoyable to watch. 
Um, and I feel like starry eyes, I just, and again, maybe it was me. I wasn't quite in the right frame of mind. It was, it's a very dark, uh, uh, ugly movie. I, I don't mean ugly. Like there's just a gross things happening and kind of, you know, like just, I can't quite put my finger on what I'm trying to say right now, but it's, 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 it's not a comfortable movie. No, and, um, not at all. So I think my in experience watching it is more of like, oh, this is making me, it's unsettling. And um, I still enjoyed so much of it, specifically Alex Esso's, the, the lead girl's performance is very, very good. Uh, but some other stuff just kind of uh, didn't sit right with me. And again, might be where I was at at the time. But um, I think some things will stick with me, some things I'll remember. Um, I didn't quite think it was as derivative as you had said, and that's partially probably because I haven't seen or as am not as familiar with some of the things it's it's borrowing from um i know you said before it has borrowed some things from contracted i i haven't i still have yet to see contracted. which i think is coincidental I don't, I don't think it actually borrows from contracted like oh, okay because I, i'm sure they were made around the same time so i don't think they okay. saw contracted and said let's do that it just so happens that contracted beat them to the punch and so then there are certain images and moments in the movie that i'm watching and i'm like well this is so much like contracted and as i watched the movie those things were taking me out of it i was being distracted by like yeah but you kind of telegraphed this or this is happening and it reminds me of this other thing but sure i think that movie more than anything else i've seen this year has stuck with me and i I find myself thinking about it more than probably any other movie that i saw this year and i really want to see it again because now i want to figure out like when i saw it I liked it, but there were things holding me back. And then ever since then, I've forgotten the things that held me back, and I'm just remembering the things I liked. So I'm wondering what a second viewing would do. Would it tip the scales one way or the other? I mean, I suspect I'll like it more. Right. Um, You still like it no matter what, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, no. I mean, really, uh, in the weeks since I saw it, I mean, I saw it probably back in September, and I think I like it more every day, just in my memory. Um, Sure. No, I really, I really, I really like it. I feel like so often, uh, for me at least, movies don't often gain an appreciation in, 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 in the times, you know, like from the moment I see it until like, you know, as time passes, it doesn't, I don't usually like think about something more and more and think it's really great. It happens every once in a while. Oftentimes, unfortunately, things kind of lose, I lose, it loses their estimation or whatever the phrasing is uh so it's cool that it's kind of stuck with you so those are the three things i saw most recently that i wanted to talk about so what have you seen lately those are good I, oh I, and also Batman. oh right i just want to real quick um point out that starry eyes is available right now on itunes and amazon yeah video on demand and maybe another vimeo i don't know there's all these different platforms but you should watch it on itunes because it's on the kazaa it's on the LimeWire. you should watch it's it on, on itunes because i think that's the one that like studios check and say like oh you're number one on the horror chart on itunes and that helps everybody involved with the film so if you're so going to watch good. it watch it through itunes I, it's a Business- From everything I hear too is iTunes is just so bad to the artist, you know. As, I mean, maybe more specifically to mu- to music. Okay. But like, I'd almost rather watch something on Amazon Prime just because I like their model better. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that sounds so yeah. Silly. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what? Who's better to the artist? But uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. So you should check out Starry Eyes, please. And okay, so I saw I guess two movies that I'll talk about. Again, it's the end of the year. I'm trying to catch up on some of the. You're telling me, brother. Movies that I've missed. Uh, plus, there's a lot of these movies that are coming out right now. The end of the year sort of Oscar qualifiers all get put out in the last couple of months of the year. So I've seen a couple. 
I finally saw St. Vincent with Bill Murray and Melissa McCarthy and Naomi Watts. And I love Bill Murray. I will always love Bill Murray. No, Um, no, no. no, It's like he makes the movie tolerable because he's Bill Murray and he's playing a lovable prick. Um, But I thought the movie was like, almost garbage like it's not because it's it's all put together in that way that like that kind of studio indie little miss sunshine way where like oh they're running in slow motion and he's bonding with a child unexpectedly that child is is melting the ice around his heart no one no one is no one is on the hudson it takes these turns and i won't say what they are that i kind of feel like are for no reason than just to um impress us with more perform like you think that's acting here comes some more acting and <laughs> it does some major things i guess to impress us with with even greater acting um because as a story-wise it doesn't make sense again it's the kind of movie that i feel like if i was 17 or 18 i would have responded to in part because it plays the part very well of being that kind of movie uh, and in part because I just wouldn't have seen enough stuff at that point that now I've seen so much that I can point to and just be like, oh, this is exactly like all these other shitty, hollow, pretending to be meaningful and or artistic kind of studio indie type. I mean, Little yeah. Miss Sunshine is, quite, is we, sort of the... Have we talked about Little Miss Sunshine before? I mean, I feel like that's the perfect example of like... It represents a lot of... Yeah, and like I saw it, you know, when it was out and I think I was like, yeah, no, a lot of that stuff worked. And then like we were saying, it just as time goes on, I, I grow more and more... I, and I've never gone back to revisit it and I probably never have to. I just grow more and more disenchanted with that movie and kind of what it represents because then that ends up being... The, the indie that Hollywood pats itself on the back for recognizing. Like, see, we right. like this small movie. It's and like, it's yeah, so your small funny. movie is filled with fucking movie stars. I, I don't, um, I, I can't quite, I, I can't define, like, necessarily what indie means and what major, I mean, obviously we all know what blo- a blockbuster is, we all know what, what indies should be, but it's this weird middle ground that it's like, oh, it's all, it's like 10 A-list celebrities slash actors, I mean, if you want to go into, like, Reducing their rate. The, right, it's it's like we're going to take a you know the standard rate. We're not going to make millions. We believe in this project, and instead of 20th Century Fox, it's Fox Searchlight. So <laughs> right. it's still got the backing of like a major studio, right. and still got right. the backing of major producers, and it's still got like Steve Carell or whomever. But it and shows like, at a festival, and it's indie in quotes. And it's like, well, that's not really what indie means. Indie means it's like this guy's making this movie. I mean, I, I'm you know Kevin Smith obviously is kind of. Uh, lost a lot of respect in a lot of people's estimation, but you can't deny that Clerks is an indie movie. I mean, he's or, or, or uh, Desperado, not Desperado, I'm sorry, Mariachi is an indie movie, like a right. guy selling right. his uh, fluids to pay for film to make his movie and to sell it to people. To You know, that's an indie movie. Like, there's right. he's doing this on his own, on his own money, at his own budget. And this is just like, oh, we're just going to get, I mean, how could you not, this movie is, of course, it's going to be recognized and picked up by the theaters because of these people. And obviously, I know there are examples here and there of, uh, of movies that you've never heard of starring an actor that, well, I'm surprised I haven't heard of this movie before that kind of like shit the bed. And and that's probably because the movie is just a piece of garbage. But this notion that like St. Vincent's an indie movie, it's like Bill Murray is one of the most recognizable faces and names ever. (laughs) Why is it an indie movie? I don't know. It's ridiculous. And aside from him, like I understand what maybe drew him 
to the movie because obviously it gives him this really big part to play, but it's it, it's kind of like Bad Santa, where it's just like, he's an asshole, and then he meets a kid, and he kind of likes the kid, but he's still grouchy with the kid, but then they become friends. Um, so I understand, you know, kind of what drew him to the like role. like Bad Words, too, right? That was the, oh, the yeah, recent Jason Bateman movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, understood, I understand what drew him to the role, but everybody else, I don't know, I just feel like at a certain point they all should have felt embarrassed to be associated with certain things in the movie when it, and I won't spoil the climax, but when it gets to where it's going, you just can't believe that anyone is okay with this. Like as ridiculous as that scene in little miss sunshine is where everybody's up on stage dancing, there's kind of an absurdity to it that if memory serves at least is sort of emotionally cathartic in a way that pays off everything that came before. It's like, it kind of makes sense. I I recognize that it's a manufactured moment that to me was, is so superior to what, where St. Vincent goes. Uh, the movie was incredibly frustrating. It's interesting. You say that because that scene in little sunshine, and honestly, I, I have the same reaction to you. I saw it such a long time ago. I haven't seen it since. I remember that scene, like cringing, like, Oh, this is so, it reminds me a little bit of the scene in love actually at the end where like they, or no, is it about a boy? That they, yes, like, there's, it's about there's a performance at the end. It's just like, yeah. oh, this is anytime like, makes, there's like a fucking big public display, it's always yeah. rough. And yeah. Saint Vincent is no different. So the other movie that I well, real, real so, quick, Saint yeah, Vincent, no, go I just ahead. Say, I, I was funny. I got a, we have a, a mutual friend named Jennifer. Yes. She had texted me like a month ago, and she's like, "Should I see Saint Vincent?" And quick caveat: uh, our friend Jennifer is a huge live music fan. Um, she sees everything. She lives in New York City. She sees everything every weekend. She's at the a different club seeing musicians and whatnot. She actually has opened my eyes to some cool new artists. And St. Vincent, if you know, is also the name of, uh, I believe her name is Annie Clark, who is St. Vincent, a female, an awesome female artist out there. If you want to check out like some cool female uh, rock music, check out St. Vincent. And actually, my wife and I had seen St. Vincent in London uh, uh, two, three years ago. So she asked me, should I see St. Vincent? I wrote back, I'm like, yeah, it's great. It's really like, <laughs> you should totally check out St. Vincent. And then she's like, oh, wow, that's a, such a strong endorsement. I'm like, and I'm like, I'm surprised you haven't heard of her. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> nice. And at the time, like St. Vincent was so, such a blip on the movie was such a blip on my radar. Cause it was like, oh, it's this Bill Murray. Th- I just, it didn't even dawn on me that she was talking about some movie. And that was a little, a little chuckle, a little, a little, a little, a little funny thing I wanted to share with so you. So she ended up going to see Terminator Salvation? I believe she saw Terminator Salvation. <laughs> and it's really good. You should check it out. It's really, really good. The other movie that I saw is Foxcatcher. And that is the new movie from Bennett Miller, who made Capote and Moneyball. Mm-hmm. I like and Moneyball. I like Moneyball. I'm not the world's biggest Capote fan. Foxcatcher is much more Capote than it is Moneyball. Okay. It tells sort of a it's, – it's the true story. I was not familiar with the story. John LaPont, an eccentric millionaire who wants to – Patty LuPone's husband. Who right? wants to uh, – he's way into like Olympic wrestling and so he – Gets these two brothers, the Schultz brothers. You, you, might be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you believe it? My, my brother and I are wrestlers. Correct. It explains this cauliflower ear. <laughs> he is the Macho Man, and you are leaping Lanny Poffo. No, no, so, no. Ultimate lawyer. That's right. I got my JD and ass kicking. <laughs> 
Um, so they are the Schultz brothers, and they are Channing Tatum and Mark Ruffalo, and so he has them come out to Foxcatcher Farms. And um, if you are interested in seeing the movie and you don't already know the story, I would advise you to not read into the story. Uh, because anytime you have a movie that's based on true events, it's very easy to discover spoilers. You just like go to somebody's Wikipedia page and you find out what actually happened and it will kind of ruin the movie. And if you aren't aware at all of where the movie is going, I think it will be a more interesting movie. Here's the thing. Did you ruin it for yourself? Uh, I, I knew. Yeah, I, I, I knew okay. what the story, um, it is a very well-made movie. It is very deliberately paced. It is slow. It is crushingly sad and lonely. Um, The performances are generally good. More on that in a second. Um, And it's just a movie that, again, left me cold. And and movie after movie now in the last couple weeks, whether it's Whiplash or Birdman or Foxcatcher or there was another one that I saw recently. All these movies that I'm like, yeah, this will maybe be one of my favorite movies of the year. This might be on my top 10. This is getting great reviews. This has people that I like. This is made in a style that I've responded to. This is an interesting style. All these reasons why I think I should love it. And again, they're all movies that I'm glad I've seen. They're all movies I'm glad exist. And by that, I just mean we're (laughs) lucky to have movies like this. You know what I mean? Even if I don't love it, like we're lucky that Foxcatcher exists because if it didn't, it would be Paul Blart mall cop, you know? So those are the choices, by the way. It's this or that. Um, so I'm very glad that these movies are being made and we live in a, in a time where movies are pretty good. Because even if the movies that I'm not loving are Birdman and Foxcatcher and Whiplash, like, we're in a pretty good place. Sure. So I wanted to like it more. I think if you can see it in a theater, you should. Because I think it will cast more of a spell. I Did you watch it, it in your screening room? I watched it as a screener at home, and, you know, it's just different. Watching a movie at home is just different. There are too many distractions. It's too easy to pause it when your wife wants to tell you a story about work yeah. that day. Um, well, she forgot the magazine at work. I got you, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe I need to revisit the movie and do justice to it again. Uh, Channing Tatum, very good, you know, continuing to be very good. Mark Ruffalo, very good playing a character who's just likable. Like, yeah, that's who you get. You get Mark Ruffalo. Steve Carell is one of the problems that I'm having. And he is why the movie's getting a ton of attention because he transforms. They put a bunch is of. Is he the inspiration for this weekend's weigh in? He. Uh, yeah, 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 he is. Absolutely. Okay. Um, this weekend's weigh in, by the way. Uh, by the time this drops, it'll be way over, but it's, uh, what's your favorite against type character or your favorite actor that's gone against type? Yeah. Something, some, some dumb shit like that. Um, stupid. They put a bunch of makeup on him. He does a voice and a walk and he transforms. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, he'll get nominated for an Oscar for if the movie catches on, if nobody sees the movie, then he won't because somehow that changes the performance. Um, I just never, I never warmed to the performance at all. I, I never lost sight of the fact that it was makeup and a voice and a walk and a weird impression of a guy. And listen, some of that is the character. Again, without spoiling, we don't 
really get to know who this character is. And to the film's credit, there is a lot that is very ambiguous in the movie. This is not a movie that holds your hand or spells things out for you. At the same time, that's part of maybe why it's a, it's, it's rather emotionally cold. Um, to me, it just, he was playing a character and I never lost sight of the fact that it was Steve Carell. I never thought he created a person that I believed existing, even though this guy existed and, and, Maybe he's doing a great impression of John LaPont, but at best, I would say it's a good impression of John LaPont. I don't, I didn't, I, I did not respond to the performance. And, you know, I, that's the reason the movie's getting a lot of attention. It's one of the reasons the movie's getting a lot of attention. Steve Carell is such an interesting actor and such an interesting celebrity because from all, from everything that I've gleaned from watching him in interviews and knowing very little about his personal life, he seems like he's like the nicest, yeah, most like really well adjusted drama, right? Like there's no drama. He's just a generous, a giving actor. Like people that act with him say like, he's very like fun to work with and great to work with. And let's be honest, his, the first, you know, four or five seasons of the office are some of the funniest performance like ever. He is so great as, as Michael Scott. I remember, I think we've talked about this on a podcast years ago in, in, he had this uh, string of, I'm using comedies very loosely, but like date night. And, uh, there's a couple others. Like I honestly date nights, the one that pops in my head, but where it's just like, well, these are just garbage movies. A, and he is just playing the sad sack mope or moop, uh, <laughs> B the moops. I'm sorry. The answer is the moops. <laughs> Uh, and I'm, I'm a fan. I say this also as a fan. I'm probably the one person on the entire website who's a big fan of, uh, seeking a friend for the end of the world. Um, I think his performance actually works in that movie. That movie just is, speaks to me in some ways I can't defend or whatever. And that's fine. We all like our things. <laughs> uh, I, I, I have not seen this movie obviously. And I'm really curious because I know he had like, from what I hear, it's like, Oh, Steve Carell's like wearing a prosthetic nose or I don't even know what he's got the makeup or whatever he has. Oh, it's a prosthetic nose. All right. Yeah, and um, I'm like, oh, that seems like it almost, I don't know, I, I guess people want to be in that, I know you wrote this column this, uh, this past week about when comedy actors, I think it was obviously spoke more about Jim Carrey, and, uh, uh, but I mean, you've obviously touched on a bunch of comedic actors, be it, uh, Eddie Murphy, Jim Carrey, Steve Martin, uh, Adam Sandler, how they, they are so funny early on, and they burn so brightly, and then they just make shittier and shittier movies, and eventually they go to dramas, and sometimes they 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 can punch their weight. Like obviously, Robin Williams, uh, his he won an Oscar, and he's a, a good dramatic. He has a very and they tap into their dark reservoirs, like you said in your column. Everyone I don't believe I used the word reservoirs. Uh, I believe you did. So don't fucking interrupt me, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Uh, but I wonder, like, is this just his, like, the nat- the weird natural step of, like, the Hollywood, like, well, I'm, I don't want to do date night again. Let's do this drama and let's see if I can get a statue, you know? And it's an interesting gamble. I mean, I'm glad that they did it. And I, I know he's a talented actor. I-, I-, I can't even say that he's bad in the part. And maybe it's just my fault that I could never get past the fact that this is Steve Carell in funny makeup. I don't know. You may really like it. You know, sometimes I try to predict things that you would like. And a lot of times I'm way off. No, base. no, no. You, you're pretty, pretty much on base. It's just, sometimes I don't have this as strong a reaction as, as you want me to have. You yeah. want me, you want me on that fence. You need <laughs> me on that wall. The movie, it has a very kind of quiet, 
tone and is very much kind of about loneliness and isolation. And sometimes you respond to um, those kinds of movies, although usually only when it's like the last person alive. <laughs> Not when it's because you're a millionaire I'm, on your farm. I'm Omega Doug is the point. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I I don't know. Is that I don't want to. Interrupt no, I guess that's it. I don't. Know. Fox catcher. I, I was talking. I, I saw. Full disclosure. I saw Birdman yesterday with JB uh, JB and Jan's son, who lives in Los Angeles. Yeah. His name is Jake, and he is a film student, and he's a a, a smart kid. And he's a good person, and I like to spend time with him because he's he's funny, and obviously we share uh, a history, and it's you know nice to see a movie uh, with him. And it's uh, this is my shout out to JB and Jan. You raised a good kid. Ah, my, good job, guys. Good job. Um, so I saw uh, Birdman with Jake, and it was fun. And we started talking about uh, briefly about performances, and I didn't really get into this too much with him. But I just the reason I say that is just because uh, that's where I uh, this this conversation popped up in my head is. Uh, in Birdman, there's it's obviously kind of reflecting Michael Keaton's uh, Batman experience and where he's at now and how he's like an action, a former action star that was in this huge franchise and turned down all this money for a sequel because uh, Tim Burton wasn't uh, part of it, blah, blah, blah. And now he's like trying to be legitimate and all this other stuff. Um, and I'm thinking about there's a there's a moment in the movie where he kind of, I think, makes fun or his alter ego. And that's no spoiler. It's it's I think it's pretty obvious, like he's got some voices in his head, um, makes fun of um Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. And I was thinking about performances and Robert Downey Jr. And then I was thinking about Will Smith. And then I was thinking about um, other, like Tom Cruise and other types of actors who are very, very famous and very, very good at what they do. And what they do specifically, and I know we've talked about this before briefly, maybe offline, is they are themselves in movies. And obviously there's examples in which they're not just themselves. Like obviously Will Smith, uh, kind of transformed himself for Ali for seven um, pounds for seven. When he put that jellyfish in that bathtub, <laughs> he was transformed into a translucent electrified monster beast. Um, and obviously Tom Cruise can transform himself. And I mean, uh, Tropic Thunder, Robert, hello, Robert Downey Jr. I don't know if he's ever really transformed himself to that extent, but also for the most Tropic part, Thunder. For the most part, these actors are famous and we like them so much because they are just a, in a way, and maybe this is very reductive, they're just a version of themselves right. on screen. Like, obviously, Robert Downey Jr., is he that different than Tony Stark? I don't know. Obviously, he's not a superhero, um, but is I think it's more Robert Downey Jr. than Tony Stark, the performance that we're seeing, like attitude, the snark, the, you know, the women, all the, all the stuff that we associate with the person. It's like, oh, this just makes sense in this character. How serendipitous that this has happened. And I was thinking about performances, and obviously I um, just went off the rails. I'm done talking. <laughs> you saw Birdman. <laughs> you guys were talking about performances no, just that was just I, I i just was kind of trying to lead into something else just performances and how is it a good performance is it is robert downey jr is he doing something special and unique is will smith doing something I mean, will smith is such a likable and I, I say this is not like the biggest will smith fan but he's such when you see him in something that's fun to watch um be it a men in black type movie or something is it is he doing a great performance or is he just so charismatic and so confident yeah, that well, we're just blown right. away. Well, that's right. That's the thing is, you know, and those people then often get dismissed as actors because it's like, well, he's not an actor. He's just a movie star. But, you know, don't sell short being a movie star because 
A, it sells tickets, and B, it's it's harder than you would think, especially to sort of pick project after project that is right for you and that uh, is going to your brand, right, right? Exactly, and you know. Jimmy Stewart was a movie star, like, and we love Jimmy Stewart. And it's not that Jimmy Stewart was a bad actor, but Jimmy Stewart was what? basically Jimmy Stewart in movie after movie, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I guess my point in bringing this up was to, you know, the Steve Carell wanting to transform himself, and we can never yeah. kind of disassociate ourselves with like, oh, that's the Steve Carell we know, be it from The Daily Show or be it from The Office or all the different um, kind of performances and he's just he's a comedic guy. he obviously his background is in you know like second city and i i don't know if he was io or groundlings or whatever but he has this improv background he's got all these and now he wants to transform himself and it's always hard sometimes to disassociate and and the opposite end of that spectrum and we've talked about this before also is the um uh, what's his name the guy from there will be blood and uh lincoln daniel, i can't daniel day lewis sorry lewis, yeah. uh, where he, in every performance, transforms himself. And right. I think Adam Risky commented on this after watching Lincoln, that the guy uh, it just is a humorless kind of like, I'd rather watch a, an interesting performance by someone. And it, it just it, it's so manufactured in a weird way from him. And I'm obviously paraphrasing horribly for Mr. Risky, but um, his beef with uh, Dane Lewis is that... Um, it's boring in a way to watch a person transform and it's this very cold, cold distant sort of approach to uh, uh, acting as right. opposed to the warm, you know, like we're, what we're used to more from celebrities. And so I don't know. Well, and that's, again, that's sort of why talking. that's why Daniel Day Lewis is an actor and not a movie star. And Daniel Day Lewis will not necessarily sell tickets to a movie because the public doesn't have that relationship with him. You know, we go see Robert sure. Downey Jr. in movie after movie because, like, I know him. I know what he does. I feel like I, I know Robert Downey Jr., the guy, so I'm going to go watch him do his thing for a little while. And, um, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis, every time he shows up in a movie, you're getting somebody different. So you never really have a relationship with the guy, which is fine. I mean, they're just two different ways of operating. So is it unfair of us to then like say like, I can't disassociate Steve Carell from Steve Carell and Foxcatcher. And I'm, no, I don't mean to put you on no, the spot or whatever. No, because, because I feel like it's not is just, there a performance there that yeah, done differently. Exactly. Okay. I think, I think they're in, in, in a different situation of the same kind of version of the story. I forget that it's Steve Carell. Um, Maybe. I don't know. And, and again, part of it is the part that he's playing because the character is such this weirdo and enigma that it's like in the absence of not really understanding or knowing anything about this guy, all that's left are his weird affectations, which is what the performance ends up being in a way. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Fox I wanted Catcher. to love Foxcatcher. I didn't. But you should, people it is. should still see it. I absolutely still recommend seeing it. What else comes out this year? That's going to be like a, uh, Oscar type. And again, that's such a, we've obviously made it very clear on the website and on podcasts that fuck the Oscars. Um, yeah. they're it's bullshit. Like who cares? But uh, it is always interesting. This end of year, like post summer, like there's the summer blockbusters, there's the doldrums of October. And now it's like the ramp up to the award season bait, uh, so what else comes out that's like really well, people see, are looking again, forward to? The model has kind of shifted in recent years, so that now December is one. We're ba we're basically in another version of summer. 
in December because it's just a lot of kind of big tentpole movies. We get Into the Woods and the new Hobbit movie and the new Hunger Games just came out this weekend, which I meant to talk about. Um, I didn't see it and I'm in no rush to see it because it is half a movie. And for whatever reason, I've liked those first two Hunger Games movies. You, I know, liked them even more than I did. I like yeah. them both. I just am not excited about another one ever, even when Catching Fire came out. I liked the first Hunger Games. Catching Fire came out. I kind of had to drag myself to the theater to see it. Uh, and then I liked it. I probably liked it more than the first Hunger Games. And yet now here comes the new one. And I'm just like, eh, yeah, if I get yeah. a chance, I'll go. Especially but, knowing like that's half a movie. But after the fappening, you want to see it even more. right? So uh, I know Inherent Vice is still coming. The new Paul. It's so Thomas funny. Anderson. You say you're mentioning some movies and I, I know some, but some of them are like, Oh, it, it, I, I've either heard about them and forgotten about them or have not even heard about them. Yeah. And it's like, wow, there's stuff that's coming out that I'm just oblivious to. And again, maybe that's just the case of me having a kid and being busier than I was, you know, like in, in 2000 right. at the end of college. It's like all I did was see everything every weekend. All, I had no life, no mortgage, no car payments, no kids, no wife, whatever. And it was like, I'm going to see everything. I'm going to see I'm going to see uh, Lake Placid for crying out loud. And you made the right choice because Lake Placid is, uh, is terrific. <laughs> um, My Oliver Platt go-to line. From Gunshy, I believe that movie yes. is called. <laughs> so I want to read a couple of the questions that were tweeted uh, weeks ago when we were going to do the podcast before you, before your tum-tum got Yeah, all it totally yucky crapped yuck. out. Literally, yeah. literally, I crapped out. Um, I had solicited some questions from people, and we only got a couple because I just did it like from my personal Twitter. I probably should have used the F this movie Twitter, but I'm going to throw some out at you. Are you ready? Okay. I, I am. I'm, I'm for the record. I'm not, I've not seen these. I'm not prepared. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the first one comes from Brett Lashaway. Who's at gray weirdo. What's the best Thanksgiving movie? Mm. Well, it's plane tra- planes, trains, and automobiles, right? I mean, there's only a few. That's the thing is like, it's almost the only yeah, I feel bad because I remember um, again. This I think I wrote about this in the um, uh, Netflix. This movie from a couple weeks ago. This is so uh, you just got to read all the columns, people, on the website. Keep um, up, I, I, Planes, trains, and automobiles is on Netflix instant streaming, so you can watch it on Netflix. It's really great. And I um, I was in this like mood. Even in California, it's getting to be. It's feeling like Thanksgiving. It's feeling like the. It's cooler. It's you know. It's. It's got that vibe, but I know. Do you guys celebrate? Do you celebrate Thanksgiving in California? It's it's called it's called something different that you you don't find <laughs> out until you actually move out here. So I won't even. That's by the way. I you guys setting a joke up and yeah, not right, having right. a line. Do you guys way, eat so. turkey or do you, do you put like pine- you put pineapple and sprouts? Duck in with avocado <laughs> uh, foam. Actually, is what we eat. <laughs> But I remember uh, writing when I did the the, the dumb trailers column. That was uh, I, I basically featured three to four or five trailers and wrote a, a very humorous uh, paragraph after each one. I I remember there was one week in November. It was all Thanksgiving. I'm like, oh, I'm going to feature all the Thanksgiving movies. All the Thanksgiving movies equals like three movies. There's really <laughs> not. I mean, there's there, yes, there's definitely movies that take place in November, and I think that there's movies out there. I think even like Hannah and her sisters has a scene that takes place. Yeah, there are scenes with like, there are movies with a Thanksgiving scene, but very few that sort of revolve around the holiday. Right. And it's, it it comes down to planes, trains and automobiles, home for the holidays and the last of the Mohicans. No, uh, the new world. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, house of yes. House of yes. Yeah. 
You're right. I'm looking at a list. That's the only reason I know. And by the uh, way, it's planes, trains. Still, I mean, the movie has its faults. Don't get me wrong; it doesn't quite hold up. It's not the perfect comedy gem that we might think it is, but it's still really, really great. It's two awesome comedic actors, R.I.P. J.C. And uh, it's it's a John Hughes movie. It takes place in Chicago. That's great. Um, so it's got to be planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, yeah, I would probably agree. I'm a fan of the ice storm, but that's not really a movie that like every November I'm like, oh yeah, Thanksgiving's coming up. Gotta put on the ice storm. Gotta have some key party action. Gotta lose my son. Um, it's a sad, oh, sad, depressing, dark movie. It's terrific, but it's not something that I would put on. Uh, also in the running, Son-in-Law, the Pauly Shore <laughs> movie. Just kidding. Not really. I'll tell you what's not a good Thanksgiving movie. And I bring this up because my children have been watching it, especially my two-year-old daughter, because she's a real dum-dum and she doesn't know any better. Uh, it's this movie called Free Birds, and it came out last year. It's one of these, like, computer... You like daughter being dumb. Yeah, well, listen. If she likes Free Birds, she clearly has no critical faculties. She, she loves uh, Skinner. Get, cut her some slack. She, it's this computer-generated, computer-animated film from last year about two hilarious talking turkeys voiced by Woody Harrelson and Owen Wilson. So not a small amount of marijuana was smoked when they agreed to uh, voice these characters. Amy Poehler does a voice. So it is a fucking insane movie and not in a good way. It's this children's cartoon about a turkey, two turkeys who travel back in time to like stop Thanksgiving so that no more turkeys are murdered every year. Like there's a lot about turkey death by the end. I'm not fucking kidding. Every five minutes it becomes a new movie. So it's about time travel. It's this wacky talking animal comedy. Uh, there's a whole sequence where like the turkeys live in the good life and ordering room service and eating pizza. Like, and there's Chuck E. Cheese product placement in a computer animated weird. film. It's very weird. By the end, it's the Matrix where, like, he's the one, and then there's a whole Avatar scene where, like, one of the character's fathers, like, the elder, I'm guessing he's voiced by, like, Wes Studi or somebody, and uh, he dies, and his spirit floats up into Home Tree. It's fucking (laughs) – it is such a garbage movie. It It sounds like what you're describing is, like, an adult swim like 15 minute long thing. Like, I, Oh my God, Turkey's going back in time to stop Thanksgiving. That sounds hilarious. And I want to watch, I, I want to dedicate 15 minutes of this. I'll pause Eric Andre. Yeah. I wish, um, this guy, the guy who directed it was an animator with Pixar and then split off to direct his own movies. He made Horton. Here's a who. And mm. then he was the director of the live action Jonah Hex, which is like notoriously one of the most terrible movies of the last five years. Um, it was written by Jimmy Hayward, this director, and Scott Mosier, formerly oh. of Kevin Smith. Yeah. Uh, U.S. Universe? Yeah. Has branched out onto his own and is writing a terrible, terrible children's movie called Free Birds. That's all about talking turkeys trying not to be murdered. And it's it really just feels like they wrote it separately. Like they watched every movie on Netflix and then <laughs> wrote it separately and then threw the pages together and then animated it. And I really didn't like it. This movie makes uh, – the movie made over $100 million at the box office. Listen, I, I've given my answer and I've heard your review just now and I've not seen – Freebirds. Can I revise my answer yeah. for my favorite? Yeah. Uh, I think it's Freebirds. I, I want to say not, my favorite I did not Thanksgiving movie is Freebirds. No, Wait it sounds delicious. 
It sounds like there's white meat, dark meat, all will be coming. Uh, that, by the way, is the real answer to what is the it best could, gravy. Eli Roth needs to stop doing whatever he's doing, like be it a horror museum in Vegas or raping Lana Del Rey. Right, he needs to make Thanksgiving an eighty slasher movie, and not and. But by the way, I say that also not as a fan of Machete. So yeah, I mean, right. We don't should. actually want that to happen, but right, right, right. Because that trailer is so great that it probably should just exist. Right, as right, its right. Own thing. Are you ready for oh. the next question? Oh, sorry. Oh. Go ahead. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm ready right. for the next. Right, Thank right, you, Gray right. Weirdo, for your bad question. Okay, <laughs> this next one comes from Ariel Faraci at Ariel okay. Faraci on Twitter. If you no relation have, to Devin, right? Actually, yes, relation. Um, relation to Devin Faraci? That's correct. If you could have oh, been the writer-director of any film, what movie would it have been? Not necessarily your favorite movie, but one you think was made so well you wish you had been a part of it that you were the creator of something so excellent. This is a heavy. This is a fucking heavy question to throw. At I know. Me. Wait, can you read? It? She's not, she. She has, She. She knows what she's talking about, and I, yeah. I. I. My brain is not working right now. Can you? If I was what the movie, director, what movie do you wish? you would have made like, it doesn't have to be one of your favorites. It's just, you see it and you're like, that was so goddamn good. That's so Ferris well Bueller's day off. done. That's it. Ferris done. Bueller. Interesting. It's like, this is a, this is the best movie. This is the perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I don't know. I, I haven't, do you have an answer? You've obviously seen this question for weeks. Cause I was what? all, but guess what? I did not once try to think of an answer until just now. This was a mistake. You're disappointing. I could have blown Ariel your Farachi. mind. I could have blown your mind with some great answer. And instead I'm just like, we'll get to it when we get to it. And did you know, not think of an answer. For, for real though, I'm sticking with my answer because I've, I've, I remember watching as a younger man, probably again, maybe in high school or college, watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off and really, really enjoying it. And I know um, on our best of podcasts, I want to say like around episode 100, we did all the people that were associated with the show at that point did a top five of all time. That's correct. Uh, podcast. Is there a better way to say that? I think I kind of no, I, that was butchered that. Uh, I think that was that, exactly that right. <laughs> well, so right. So at episode 100, it was or episode 95 to 100. It was all of our, all the people like JB, myself, um, Eric Asperschlager, all of our top five movies. And finally, Patrick's. And one of my top five, which I would probably revise, was Ferris Bueller's. And I think the reason I gave, just to summarize and paraphrase very briefly, was that I like teen movies. I like Chicago movies. That kind of movie hit both those things for me. So I kind of used it as a category movie to fit that uh, requirement for me. But I still think that that movie is good, and I love Ferris Bueller's. I love just the vibe. I love, like, it, it, it's the perfect sort of um, 80s teen movie for me. I know there's a lot of other fans of Breakfast Clubs and what have you, but that movie is one of my favorites of that genre. And I remember watching it just being like, wow, this is just, I like the, I like the episodic aspect of it. I like how they go from all these different things, and it never feels forced, and it's just this, I like the characters, I like all those things. I remember thinking way back then, and again, not having a better answer right now in my 30s, I'm like, oh, it's got to be Ferris Bueller's. I wish I wrote and directed Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Plus, you love to play hooky. You would revise the list and what comes off and what goes on. I think Ferris Bueller's goes off. Alright. What, what, what replaces it? Blues Brothers. For some reason, that I thought Blues is, Brothers was on your list. No, if I and my memory does not serve, by the way, but I remember in my list is Starship Troopers. It is uh, Wet Hot American Summer. It is It's a Wonderful Life. It is Ferris Bueller's Day Off and something else, and that tells you how mm-hmm. seriously I take this top five list. Is that it I can Memphis Belle. It is not Memphis Belle. Is it A Few Good Men? 
It is not a few good men. Is it Freebirds? It's what well, it is now. So take <laughs> up, okay, Ariel Faraci, listen very carefully. <laughs> the movie I wish I wrote and directed is uh, it's, it's about turkeys. Is it about turkeys who want to go back in time? I believe time traveling turkeys. And my daughter well, every day we watch turkey movie. And I'm just I want to say like it's a shitty movie. Don't you understand? <laughs> Don't you have any taste? Yeah, like what the fuck, kid? Um, <laughs> Who birthed you? I'm going to show her Jonah Hex. Your mother. I'm going to show her Jonah. Don't get me started on your mother. And say, look what this asshole made. You still think Freebirds is good? This fucking guy made Jonah Hex. Watch this weird, movie. It, all of a sudden, you're doing this this wormhole of like just ripping on like your daughter's mother, like your yeah. wife. Just because how how did she make she's you? Just, what is, like what's wrong with catching you? all of this Freebirds shrapnel? Right. My answer is weird and also incorrect, and here's why. Um, because I don't, I'm not going to answer the question exactly as posed in terms of like what movie do you see that's so perfect that you wish you had directed it? Because I, you know, I mean, like anything Quentin Tarantino made, you know, and which isn't to say that every one of those is perfect, but it's just like those movies entertain me in a way that no other movie really does, you know, the way that he pulls sure. all these different genres and influences together and the way he combines violence and action and humor and uh, sometimes commentary if it's Inglorious Bastards. Sometimes it's just, you know, kind of a fun movie. Um, but I'm going to say Richard Kelly's The Box. And here's why. <laughs> because. What? Are you talking about box trolls? I'm talking about The Box. The movie with James, the- James Marsden and Cameron Diaz. It's a, a, a feature-length adaptation of, <laughs> listen to me, of Richard Madison. The Twilight Zone episode? Yeah, yeah, button, button. Um, you push the button and then somebody dies, but you will, I don't know, get a new wig if you're Cameron Diaz. Um, it's the Billy Idol song, right? Button, exactly. Button. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, David Bowie, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Billy Idol is Moni Moni, which is the other title, <laughs> the other title for this movie. So, Rebel, Rebel, Moni Moni. <laughs> when, uh, the Box. When I saw the my, box, by the way, my movie, The Box, very different from your movie, <laughs> The Box. When I saw this movie, I think in like 2009, during who the fuck saw The Box? Yeah, what exactly. Are you about? During the week that it played in theaters, and I think Don't it was jerk like Ariel around. She was very nice to submit this question. It's a great. I'm trying to give an interesting answer, other than like I know uh, I keep interrupting fucking, you. Fucking Ferris Bueller. Um, oh, real quick, by the way, another reason for Ferris Bueller is because I think about like how fun it must have been to make that movie. I feel like some movies would have been a grind or a yeah. drag to make. You know, it does seem like they had a blast making that movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you Sorry. get to plus you get a little casting couch action with Sloane Peterson. Oh, Sloane Peterson. <laughs> That's how it is in Doug's pants. All right, I'm going to stop talking for a little bit. Oh, finish talking about the box. Okay? This does not answer the question. Um, so I saw the movie in like 2009. It played for about a week, and it was one of those things where like I looked up movies, and on Friday it was going to be gone. So Thursday night, I'm like, "Well, fuck! I got to carve out two hours to go see the box." Right. And I'm a fan of Donnie Darko, and I'm a big fan of Southland Tales, and I know that the movie is a a mess. Like that doesn't even quite encapsulate what that movie is. Like it is a mess on another level. Uh, but I love it. I genuinely love it. And so Richard Kelly kind of gets a third at bat and a studio finances another movie for him, crazily <laughs> enough. And so he does this adaptation of uh, of Button Button. I, I've never revisited the movie, right? So I don't know if any of it works. I saw it thinking that I generally liked it. And it's a mess in the way the Southland Tales is a mess. 
And when I saw it, I felt like if uh, if somebody hired me to make movies, they would turn out like Richard Kelly movies because <laughs> I would have these ideas but not really know how to communicate them or how to make them work on screen. So there's all this weird ambitiousness and I respond to a lot of it because, I mean, he's he's a good director in terms of like he knows how to compose a shot. He knows how to put a scene together. Um, he's just a crazy writer whose reach exceeds his grasp. And so I saw The Box and felt like, I'll bet if I ever made a movie, it would be like The Box. <laughs> that is probably the most interesting, honest answer I've heard on any podcast ever. Shut it down. And guess what? Shut it down. Sales for The Box are going to go through the roof on Amazon for this week only as all I, of I our listeners so. say, I should check out this fucking movie. Dude, I, I've never seen The Box, and I, I swear to God, I, I'll probably watch The Box tonight. It has a cool score by uh, the people from Arcade Fire. The Box is only slightly more insane than Free Birds. I want to say something really quickly about Richard Kelly also. Uh, it's been noted several <laughs> times by Mr. Bromley that Richard Kelly, we're, we're fans. I know what you're going to say. F This Movie is a fan of Mr. Richard Kelly. I believe Mr. Richard Kelly, this is going back probably to 2010 or 2011. We tweeted something to Mr. Richard Kelly and said, hey, um, I forget specifically what the tweet was, but we probably talked about Southland Tales and probably talked about the ambitious failure. And I think, and this is just Doug's interpretation, the combination of the name of our site, F This Movie, which maybe has a negative connotation, if not familiar with the fact that we're moving love for movie lovers, <laughs> and the fact that we might have referred to one of his movies as an ambitious failure, made Mr. Richard Kelly, again, a person who we respect and admire and probably is Patrick's one of his favorite interesting kind of directors mr richard kelly has blocked us on twitter yeah and it breaks my heart so if anyone out there knows mr richard kelly <laughs> and or follows mr richard kelly please uh, impart a message to him to say listen we uh love you and please we want to follow you we want to know what's going on in your life and if you listen to the show we will fillet you uh metaphorically maybe a little literally you know <laughs> But if anyone knows him or even is following him, just like send them a direct message and say, dude, after this movie, they're like your biggest fans. And we probably are, for real. So that's my little, my little treatise. All right. That was good. He, well, only a, a small handful of people have blocked us. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know who else uh, has, uh, I want to say, Dan Fogler? Guess what? He does a voice in Freebird. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Dan fucking Fogler, the guy from... Knights of Badass. Is that who, is he Knights of Badass Dumb or no? What am I thinking? No, of? he's not in Knights of Badass Dumb. Okay, why would um, he have blocked us? Because I think you, uh, for watching <laughs> trailers, I think you might have written up a movie that he's in, or uh, or even wrote, or he had something Dude. to do with creatively. And I think like I think he blocked us. Dude, the Fogler, Fogler. Listen, it's I Doug. don't. Uh, I, he's in I Take Me Home him. tonight, right? Isn't that? That's yes, that's Dan what. Fogler. I, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, you I, came up with uh, when you thought of this Fogler. I, I listen. It's all. It's a goof. It's just a goof. 
So All right. Don't, our- don't block us. You know, that's not good. I want to say also, I one time, same thing with trailers, I wrote something really negatively about a Jake Johnson movie, and I tweeted it to him, which was a dumb move, and he retweeted it. And I'm like, oh, that's awkward. And then I looked later, I think he had unretweeted it, and that was the first time a, a tweet was taken back. But I don't think he blocked us, because I don't think we were following him, even though I like Jake Johnson. I think he's a great Chicago actor. He's good, and he's been given a lot of uh, love on our site, so that's good. Yeah. Last question. From uh, our friend at Dr. David Banner, Josh Perlman. He writes. His last name is Josh Perlman? Or his last name is Perlman? Yeah. Any relation to the beast? (laughs) So here's the question. I don't know if this is just directed to me, but I'm going to pose it to you. Uh, It says, of your various co-hosts. That's why I think it might be directed more at me. But... Uh, yeah. Of the various co-hosts, see how I changed it to... to who's your favorite co-host? Just say my here name. It is. Of the various co-hosts, whose opinions on movies do you trust the most slash oh. least? Parenthetical, this is not meant to start a civil war. Oh, it's gonna... And it's to you, Josh, hide. I say too late, brother against brother in the great <laughs> this movie battle of 2014. <laughs> Good gravy. Um, Black Friday I, has a whole I, new meaning. You can probably, I mean, you can... I can't, I can't answer this question at all. I will answer it. I will, no. All I, right, I, I'm going to let you answer it in a second. I will answer, and I'm not, I swear, I swear on whatever, I swear on Freebirds that I am not trying to take the coward's way out. There truly is not anyone who's, at least that's on the site, whose opinions I trust the most or the least. What? Because I think... What? No, that's true. Because I think if anyone of the, uh, of the gang on the site were to say to me like emphatically, Hey, I really loved this movie and you should check it out. I would absolutely do it. There's nobody where I would say like, really? Cause I don't know about you. Now, having said that I have different taste from some people on the site. I mean, that, and that's no secret. Um, other uh, people like a lot of movies that I don't love. I love a lot of I just said I was a fan of the box. Like I have liked a lot of movies that other people say, what the fuck is wrong with you? So I recognize that my taste isn't the same as everyone on the site, but that's what I love. You know, like I'm so glad that it's not just seven or eight of us championing the exact same movies in the exact same way. Sure. Adam Risky, who is a great person and one of my you know closest friends – no, you can't choose Adam. I want to choose Adam. Well, I'm going to say something different about him, probably. Um, you know, we disagree on a lot of movies. Like, he likes crazy things sometimes, and our, or he thinks I like crazy movies sometimes. But I love that. And before he was a writer on our site, um, he was commenting, and, and we would talk sometimes over email or whatever. And one of the things that made me want to ask him to write for the site was that I thought he had interesting different opinions that he saw things in movies that I didn't, that he liked movies that I didn't, um, but was able to sort of explain why. And I like that. I, I'm not interested in just having a single voice. Um, but there's no one whose opinion I, I trust the most or the least having said all of that, the person whose opinion I trust the most is Doug. Yeah. What the fuck dude? Listen, I, I mean, I'm, I'm literally right here. And by right here, I mean like 4,000 miles away from you. No, 2,000 miles, 3,000. Who knows? I can't I've do never the math. Measured. 
I don't think anyone's ever measured. Honestly, the distance between Chicago and Los Angeles is a mystery that is lost to the ages. No one knows how far away it is. Let's just say it's anywhere between four miles and a million miles. I'm somewhere in that range away from you. I'm not right next to you, but I am like right next to you in spirit because I'm a ghost. I'm literally talking to you from the afterlife right now. Listen, my opinions are the bomb. I have the best opinions on movies. You should check out Birdman. Uh, I know you hate Birdman, and I liked it, so that's obviously – uh, st- a sore point between I the two of us. Hate Birdman, everyone. I probably respond most to your opinions, and I think that's purely a, a, a matter of. And again, there's a lot of. By the way, Patrick, just for all the listeners out there, and Patrick, don't you dare censor me! Don't you dare <laughs> censor me right now! <laughs> I'm going to redact Patrick this. Is so PC. He's like, everyone's great. Everyone's a unique snowflake, right? And I'm like, fuck that shit because it's <laughs> not true. Are off. The gloves are off. No, I, I think that um, I probably share the most in common with your opinions because, and again, it, there's two reasons to this. It's a it's a it's a, do, a two pronged fork, if you will, a die effecta. Uh, one is that I, I I genuinely respect you, and I respect I respect everyone on the site. I think that's uh, goes without saying, and I think that is the caveat to anything we're about to say right now as we start to flame the other contributors to F this movie. Um, I, I genuinely respect your opinions. I feel like you've seen so much. You've put in the work. You have done the reading. You know of what you talk about. So I, that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect of it is that we've obviously been so super close for such a long time. We're very close friends. Um, we share women all the time, is my point. <laughs> <laughs> but I, no, I, I feel like we have just grown. Our, our tastes have grown at a similar pace and rate, although you've definitely superseded me um, in, in all seriousness, like you've gone beyond me, like you've seen so much, your your uh, your wisdom is, is far surpassed mine, but I still feel like our form- formative years in high school and college as we like kind of worked through, even on a personal level, like working through relationships and jobs and family situations and all that stuff, I think that informs also the way you view art and movies. So obviously that speaks to kind of like what we share and the history that we have together. So of course our opinions are uh, similar in that respect. That being said, you should see Birdman, and there's lots of other movies that um, that Patrick hates that I love. Um, let's not get into that right now because he's right behind you. <laughs> um, I probably this isn't the answer, but I probably disagree most with Adam Risky's opinions on movies, uh, and that's not to say that his opinions are invalid and or. Uh, not well-researched or well-reasoned or they don't come from a genuine place from him. And I can't speak for him. It's unfair necessarily to, to tear him down when he's not here to defend himself. But I do think that in just in terms of pure taste in, in, in our opinions on movies, I feel like I'm probably the most at odds with Adam Risky. With the th- some of the things he loves and the things he champions, I'm very lukewarm about. I never outright hate the thing he loves. At least that's not been my experience. And some of the things he dislikes a ton, I've really, really liked. Like, I know the, the most obvious example is Gravity. He uh, he had genuinely dislikes that movie. Like, did I, again, if my memory serves, he does not like that movie. I think he can appreciate certain things of it, but I think on a base level, he's like, I don't like, and I'm like, I think Gravity's great. And I've talked about this before. Um, uh, I, I acknowledge that it has some, has some problems, and I even acknowledge some of the problems that he has with it, but I still think it works and blah, blah, blah. So my point, long story short, that's just one specific example. Adam Risky is probably the person I, uh, the, the uh, reviews, he, he's full of shit is my point. He's a fucking, uh, he's a coward. He is, uh, 
he 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 hates the color yellow. I don't know if you know this about him, which yellow is the color of the sun, and that gives everything life. But again, if 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 anyone on the site were to really go to bat for a movie, I think any one of us would check it out. When Adam Risky is like, "Hey, happy, yeah, happy, sure. uh, Drinking Buddies is one of my favorite movies of the year," I think all of us, even if Drinking Buddies wasn't initially on our radar. We'll check out Drinking Buddies, starring Jake Johnson. That's a perfect example. Who doesn't That's like a perfect example because he, uh, Adam, did champion that movie early on, and it's the reason I watched it, and right. I liked it. I liked that movie a lot, actually. Exactly. Um, so, and, and that, that goes back to what, called Death, and it's like eh, Adam, what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> but that goes back to this idea of you know we all respect each other's opinions, even if we don't. Wait, 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 wait. Sure. Who, who, who's no? Is there anyone that's no longer on the podcast or that doesn't listen to the podcast? Alex Lawson is so such an asshole. <laughs> so much shit. He doesn't listen uh, anymore, right? I, I think, think I think he's I think he's listening right now. I think is he is is I think he's hearing what you're saying. I mean, but this I think is going to be the year that I <laughs> broke as a human being because I find myself. You know, there was a period where. Having known you for years, you broke in the 90s. Thank you. Okay, so early 90s, I first really get into music. I stop listening to only movie soundtracks, and I start listening to, like, all kinds of music, and I'm listening to ministry and infectious grooves and, like, anything that's, like, on the border of alternative. I'm listening to pig face and, like, shit that's heavier than I would ever be into now. And then slowly but surely, my tastes kind of whittle down to just a specific style of music. And then I'm only listening to Weezer and Teenage Fan Club and uh, <laughs> those kinds of bands, right? Um, and now I even just hate everything and I just don't listen to music. So I feel like <laughs> this is what's happening Fuck now. music. Suck my dick, tunes. <laughs> this is what's happening now this year. With movies, which isn't to say that, like, oh, I don't like anything, because obviously I still want to see everything from any genre or whatever, uh, apparently, except for that new Hunger Games movie. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm still excited about all different kinds of movies. But we have, in just a few weeks, uh, you will be out in Chicago, and we're going to yeah. get together and do our top 10 show, yes. which I'm so happy about because I'm so glad you're going to be here. That yeah. is one of my. That might be my favorite show to record all year. Um, you, me, and JB have done that for the last several years, and I'm super excited to do it again. I just I have so much fun recording that show and hearing everybody's lists, and I just love this time of year because I love people's top ten lists. I'm fascinated by them. Um, I have a feeling my list is going to be really weird. Like I, I feel like my tastes are skewing more towards kind of genre movies. Um, starry eyes and and the guest and those kinds of movies instead of some of the bigger birdman's sure. important movies and right? yeah. fox catcher and which isn't to say those movies aren't good you know but um the movies that i find myself really thinking about really seeking out really getting excited to talk about and share are much more kind of like genre movies and i don't want to get so narrow because then i worry that like i won't be able to um, this sounds weird, so I'm gonna I'll backtrack immediately. Service the readers. Like I don't want to only write. I don't want the site to become this thing where I only write about the things that interest me, and then it just becomes yet another kind of genre blog um, that's only about horror and sci-fi, even though those are the things that I'm excited about. So I want to still be able to talk about all different kinds of movies. Um, so I I. I, I 
I find myself kind of going down that rabbit hole, but also wishing that I wasn't. I keep hearing like I'm going down and I'm servicing the readers. <laughs> And I want to like. Then you took away to, everything I wanted you to take away. Suck. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm glad I just gave that very revealing, bear, very personal soul. speech. Right. Yeah, and it's very old. That was a I cry. Mean, I heard it. Is my point. <laughs> that was a, a cry for help on the podcast, and you turned it into a blowjob joke. So that's fine. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. Is Alex listening right now? Is my question to you right now. I'm just curious. It's funny because we don't like. I do think sometimes top ten lists, top five lists, best of lists are kind of. Uh, you know, sometimes they're a little like reductive. It's almost like giving a movie four stars. It's like, sometimes you can't quantify these sorts of things, but it's funny because I so agree with you that, uh, come December, late December, early January, I'm so interested in like people's movies and or people's uh, top 10 lists or best of the year lists. And it also in a, in a weird way too, I get just as angry sometimes when I read like very pretentious blogs and websites that put out movies that no one's seen and kind of like, or that they put out their 10 worst lists. And I know we've done you and JB specifically have done that where you talk about the overrated, underrated, uh, right. Or is that the summer thing? Am I? No, yeah, we do that. We do that at the end of the year. And then you do, do you do like a worst of the year? We overrated, underrated and the ugly. That's what the show is called. So there's no separate, but I, okay. I, I, I'm less and less interested in right. and calling I think some, something the worst. And, and it never fails. Not only that, like, the worst lists are just kind of easy and cheap and, and clickbait and whatever else, but it never fails. I feel like there's always some website that I might even respect that puts a movie on there just as, like, a, like to a talking point or just, like, well, you, right. I bet you didn't think I'd do this. Boom. <laughs> it's like, oh, the comments blow up and how dare you do this, blah, blah, blah. And it's just always kind of like, oh, that just seems like it's so – it's not interested in having a discussion. It's more interested in having – and I'm sure they would make the argument that, no, this is supposed to have a discussion, but it just seems so kind of – nihilistic and I don't know, like, Oh, we're just going to like rip on this. What was the one? There's a great, perfect example. I know you can think of it. Cause I, my brain isn't working right now. There's a, a movie that's like not a, by any means a bad movie that someone was like the worst movie of the year or of, of all time. What am I thinking of right now? Oh, uh, recently. Yeah. Somebody called the counselor, the worst movie ever made. Yes. And it's such a weird kind of like the counselor. Have you seen the, I know you've seen it. I'm asking the, the, the listeners. Have you seen the counselor? The counselor is a fascinating movie. A lot of it doesn't work. Some of it does, and some of it's pretty interesting, and some of it's not. So it's it's a, it's a mess. It's a giant mess of a movie. But to call it like the worst, it just it's like I don't even understand the terms of or the, the you know like this conversation that we're supposed to be having. You know, yeah, that writer was Andrew O'Hare at Salon dot com. Well, Salon is shit. And he called so. it the worst movie ever made, and and this is probably like getting a little bit too. Uh behind the curtain to navel gazing, especially for the end of the podcast. But maybe if you've been with us long enough, you'll find this kind of shit interesting. I don't know. Um, I think part of it has to do with the fact that now we do have a site and we do have a podcast and there is an audience of people that are interested in talking about this stuff with us because I used to make my own top 10 list. I probably around the mid nineties, like 95, 96, I started to make my own top 10 and I've done one every year since then. If I were to go back and read some of those old ones, I would cringe. Um, in part because, you know, movies affect us at the time that they affect us. 
So I may have seen something in December of 1998 that really rocked me that then like I've never like affliction that I've never wanted to go back and see again, you know? And so at the time it was like, yeah, okay, this is working for me now. So trying to document something for all time based on like a, a feeling that you're having in the moment becomes problematic. But also because I think I was a little bit of a victim to putting some oh, titles you're a now, great. Put in, <laughs> putting some titles on those lists because I was the only one seeing them. I mean, I wasn't publishing these anywhere. Nobody was looking at my list. Um, I'm guessing I put some titles on there of movies that I thought I should love. Like I talked to myself into oh, sure. loving you know, Foxcatcher or whatever, because I felt like it, it was getting really good reviews and critics were loving it and they were calling it one of the 10 best of the year and it was December and I needed a number seven. And so I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right, right, Foxcatcher right, right. goes on the list. And I think You're by like, virtue... I bump War Horse or should I keep War Horse? <laughs> I think by <laughs> virtue... dick move by me, sorry. No, it's fine. I, you know, and again, I've never wanted to go back and watch War Horse. That speaks exactly to what we're talking about is like, I saw it and was very moved by the filmmaking, not so much the story. I thought it was such a well-made horses. Well, yes, I I thought it was such a well-made movie that I was really responding to that. And, you know, if I had it to do over again, yeah, war horse probably doesn't make the list, but I think by virtue of the fact that now we have an audience, um, I'm much more conscious of like trying to as douchey as this sounds. And I apologize. And I promise we're going to wrap up right after this. Cause I have to <laughs> take all of the baths, um, <laughs> like kind of be more true to myself and just say like, no, here's what I genuinely loved sure. this year because I, I, nobody, n- nobody gets anything out of me putting Foxcatcher at number seven, because like, I think that it makes me seem smarter, which by sure. the way, isn't to say that anyone who puts, who puts Foxcatcher on this list is just trying to sound smarter. That is not at all what I'm implying. I'm saying if I were to do it, it would be disingenuous. I think that again, this might sound douchey. I am the king douche of at this movie. So it's okay if I I say in the house, uh, I think that we always try to pick stuff. That's true. Oh my God. That sounds so douche. That's true. (laughs) I always try to pick stuff. That's true to me. No, I think that, you know, going back five, has it been, this will be the fifth year we've done a top, 10 or a best of the year yeah. show. Yeah. You, me and JB, we've done yeah. best of the year shows for this will be the fifth year. We've always done, we've always tried to do lists that are true to us and that we really respond to and we can defend and we understand that they're not perfect lists, but yeah, it's totally the case. So many people out there, um, other websites, other, uh, uh, respected film critics, I think put down the stuff that should, that they feel like should go on the list. And honestly, no one's ever going to argue with that kind of list. But, Meaning those, like, but those might be the movies that they genuinely love. You know, I, I like agree, those I agree, movies are getting I, good reviews because people like them. But he, hear me out, and I think that you, you know where I'm going, or you know where I'm coming. You know, you both know where I'm coming from, <laughs> and you know where I'm going. That I, I think that there's a certain kind of list that's endemic, especially among 
uh, uh, people, maybe like younger writers or people that, you know, maybe subscribe to this, the same thing that you subscribed to back in the nineties. Like, I feel like I should watch these movies or I feel like I should put these, uh, certain movies on my list where the whole list is just filled with sort of that sort of, uh, sure, sure, sure. uh, a movie. And that's fine. Again, those movies aren't bad. I don't think there's one bad movie in the bunch, but it just, it feels to me like this manufactured, like this is an algorithm that Rotten Tomatoes put together of the best movies of the year. And I feel like whenever we do it, it's not i'm not saying it's better or worse i'm just saying it's always kind of like uh, uh, movies that we respond to i put like some really garbage movies in other people's opinions on my top 10 lists in the past but it's movies that i responded to and really really enjoyed and tried to kind of um uh i put them on because i tried to say something about them and this is why it was important to me at that specific moment um that being said i i feel bad i remember um last year's list i missed a couple movies and I've since, like, in my own head, again, this is not uh, for public consumption, I've revised my top ten list even from last year because I hadn't yet seen Her. None of us I hadn't seen yet, Her at that right. point, yeah. And Her is definitely, it's, I, I really, really enjoyed that movie. I responded to it. I hadn't yet seen About Time, which, sure, it's saccharine, and it's definitely um, not a perfect movie, which is an expression I hate to say because it's so douchey. Um, but it's it, a movie I respond to. In fact, I just watched it for the second time with my wife, and it's it's a, it's a it gets you. If you haven't seen it yet, Patrick, and I don't think you have, I haven't. you should see About Time, because it's a really, for me, and maybe it speaks to parenting, it speaks to relationships, it speaks to father-son relationships. It is it is moving, and just, I was moved. Just so I'm clear, this is the movie where time is currency? <laughs> no, that's where we're talking to Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, but yeah, I, I feel like, you know, if nothing else, we're all trying and that's the great thing. And I'm going to turn the, I'm going to turn this around a little bit. And I feel like every person that's, that's been a friend of the site, um, has kind of taken that sort of, uh, lead also and say like, you know, I'm going to make a, this is my, my favorite movies of the year. They're not like the, maybe they're not the best in quotes, whatever the best may be, whoever defines that bullshit, but it's my favorite. And this is, I could defend these. And this really spoke to me. Um, I think rarely of our community, it's such a positive place with great people that say great things. And I really, really love it. I love to read all the comments. Um, they put together some awesome lists and if nothing else, just like with scary movie month and the scary movie challenge or with, uh, June exploitation, it makes me want to see 50 more things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Favorite will always be more interesting to me than best because best right. doesn't tell me anything except what somebody thinks, you know, should be the objective best. Whereas favorite tells me something about you as a person, which I'm much more interested in learning, you know, well, what's the best citizen Kane vertigo. Yeah, they are the best. I mean, you can't, it's right. like, it's, and, but, like, what's your favorite? Oh, Starship fucking Troopers is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Starship Troopers 3, though, right? Marauder? Actually, no, it's the uh, the cartoon series. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, anyway, so we will wrap up. We're, we're Johnny's gonna, rough. Rico's rough next. We're going to stop now. Thank you guys very much for listening. This was kind of a weird episode, but hopefully you enjoyed it, especially if you've been a fan of us to this point. Uh, if this is your first episode, I urge you to check out some of the other more traditional shows where we just talk about a single movie. Um, make sure you join us next week. We have a special show. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Mike White from the Projection Booth podcast, and we're going to talk about RoboCop 2. So I'm excited for you guys all to hear that. Douglas, thank you very much for talking about all this stuff with me. Thank you very much, and happy Thanksgiving to all the F-heads out there. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you, those of you who submitted those questions. You guys are great. Everyone, have a great holiday, and we will talk to you next week. Yeah. 
And Alex isn't like, he doesn't listen, listen, right? He kind of listens, but not listen, listens, right? 